Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine fanatics who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, we introduce you to a prominent woman and take a peek into her life and, of course, her favorite wines. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm talking with Suzanne Trichard, who is featured in Wine Country Women of Napa Valley. Suzanne, thank (laughs) you so much for inviting us to be here today. We're actually at your uh, family's cave. Yes. We're sitting in your family's cave. So if you hear a few rumblings every now and then, uh, don't be surprised. Right? I hope the acoustics work well. It should uh, should be quite nice. Yeah, the environment's certainly very inviting. You are this amazing woman from Miami <laughs> who somehow found herself in Napa Valley, right? <laughs> yes, it was kind of a uh, circuitous route. Uh, I went to undergrad in Boston and then did law school in Chicago and kind of got tired of the cold weather and did move back to Miami in 2005. And I practiced law there for about four and a half years when I visited San Francisco and fell in love with the city and just kind of needed a change and, and loved the progressive nature of California, young professionals, wine, yoga, a different kind of diversity than Miami. So I said, what's not to love? And so I started interviewing for jobs, in-house counsel positions, et cetera, in San Francisco. And after a week of arduous interviewing, I went wine tasting with my girlfriends and my sister. And we came to Trouchard Vineyards, and actually my husband Anthony was the person who gave the tour. So when that happened, we uh, quickly started dating, and when things got serious, the job hunt shifted from San Francisco. I was picturing myself in the financial district as a hotshot attorney walking in high heels up those hills, and instead I traded that life as um, for a wine country attorney and, and real estate broker. And so uh, you've been in the Napa Valley now how long? It's going to it's going to be 10 years. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, next year will be 10 years. Oh, wow. I know. So what is life like for you here in Napa? Well, it certainly has evolved over the, uh, the decade that I've been here. When I initially arrived, of course, coming from Miami and the South Beach craziness, I found it very quiet. You know, everything closes early. It's very much an early town. And uh, we would end up going to San Francisco probably every other weekend to, you know, discover new restaurants and, you know, uh, go out on the town. But then, of course, as you get older, we got married and we had kids and we realized, you know, that this life is is actually pretty great for families. And so uh, typical day now is rushing in the morning trying to get the two kids off to to preschool and uh, I usually go to the gym and and get a good workout in either yoga or or cardio or anything like that and then uh, take the bulk of the day to to get some work done whether it's showing property showing vineyards Sometimes it'll be an office day, administrative work. Sometimes it's giving a tour at the winery for from a, for a friend that's visiting from law school or from Miami. And so it's every day is a surprise. We never know what we're going to get. <laughs> but that's what's great about it, right? Yes, yes, very Keeps true. Keeps you guessing. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your home. What, what, what's your decorating style? Somebody took a, took a step inside your home, what would they see? 
for me, it's interesting. I always grew up uh, with a more modern aesthetic. And my mom is a real estate broker in Miami, so I had the great opportunity when I worked as her kind of assistant to see these beautiful homes and, and apartments on South Beach. So I always gravitate toward the modern, clean look. And uh, when I moved here, we actually live in... I call it a Frank Lloyd Wright-esque property. It's not by Frank Lloyd Wright, but it kind of has that mid-century modern look that I know is very, you know, kind of in and trendy now. But it's a, it's an interesting mix of stone and wood and, and all that. So we try to kind of strip it down and not make it too dark and, and introduce some light elements, but still ha keeping those earth tones. So you, when there's not a bunch of Legos on the floor, I, I, I do have um, some modern pieces that I like and, and I'm a big fan of artwork. So we have some, uh, you know, some Cuban art hanging on the walls and, and we love the vintage posters uh, from France. So we have a couple of those. And, and so I would say mid-century modern with a little spice. Okay, <laughs> that sounds Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds appropriate yeah. for you, too. You know, we're in wine country. You're sipping on some Trichard right now. Mm -hmm. Of course. Um, when you're at home, other than Trichard, what do you like to drink? Well, most of my friends and family know that I'm very much a, a champagne junkie or sparkling wine junkie, so I typically will start uh, the, the, well, not the day, maybe the evening with that. <laughs> Uh, I have been on a kind of hipster Negroni kick lately, so I do like that kind of bitterness as well. So sometimes I'll I'll start with a cocktail like that on a peritif. You know, we ha we have so many wines from Napa at our home, and and they're beautiful wines. But you, we do get you know house palate or, or valley palate, so we do try to mix it up. So so we'll, we will delve into more of the old world um, wines from Spain and France. And my husband's a big Barolo fan. So every, every now and then we'll, we'll open a Barolo. So, you know, we, uh, as you know, in the wine trade, everyone just, you know, brings bottles of wine and you, so we kind of look in our cellar and depending on what we're having for dinner, we, we will pull it out. So there you go. Mm -hmm. And an occasional Negroni. So that's yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. So see, it's not always wine. No, no, not at all. <laughs> How would you describe your entertaining style? When people come over, do you? Do you I would call it typical Cuban exaggeration. So it's <laughs> it's perfect because we're actually having our uh, pig roast that we do every year. This is a tradition I started when I first moved here. I didn't know a lot of people, so I said, "Let's just roast a pig and and, and invite everyone I know so far." And it's been a tradition that we've been doing ever since. So it's go big or go home, and and even you know, I don't have a problem you know asking people to, to help you know so we we can go potluck style or we can go you know uh, I, I do a lot of cooking kind of three days in advance and so that's probably my main event that I like to do and and every now and then we'll do you know dinner parties and things like that and uh, I'm also a big um, tapas person so it'll be kind of heavy hors d'oeuvres and people can just kind of nibble all evenings so I would say either from the minimalist or to the most extreme <laughs> giant parties Boy, just to get an invite to one of those parties would be a treat, wouldn't it? Of course. It? Do you have any hobbies? Do you collect anything? I mean, I know you're an avid yoga. You do a lot of yoga. You're right. A yoga instructor, I think. Yes, or exactly. Or guru. Well, I don't know about guru, <laughs> but, but definitely an aficionado of, of yoga. I, it's so funny, and now my son gets excited when we open champagne because I collect the champagne caps. Uh, and I don't know if anyone has ever noticed this, but when you 
you know, remove the foil and some of them don't have foil. There's a little, some of them are very simple and just say champagne, but others are really like miniature works of art. And I love that. So I have quite a collection of that. And um, I also collect postcards. Uh, it's a hobby I started with my son. So we have a big binder of postcards that, that you know, either I send him or uh, my husband sends from his work travels. So those are probably the two main uh, things. I try not to get in too much of a collector mode, so I don't go into hoarder mode. Right. <laughs> so those are kind of the two main ones at the moment. Okay, one, one more question uh, just on a personal note. What would your wine country dream day look like? Well, it's funny, obviously, being here, I think that, you know, obviously we get called upon by I, at least weekly from either my Miami friends or college friends or law school friends saying, we're coming to Napa, you know, and I, I have developed a little sample itinerary. So for me, it's either starting or ending the day with sparkling, that's for sure. So... You know, typical would be uh, start at Domaine Carneros and then kind of work your way up Valley, of course, stopping at Truchard uh, for a tasting. And then lunch at Albert du Soleil for me is just magical. I know it's been around a long time and there's so many good places, right? It's hard to choose, but that view, yeah, the view is, is incredible. Amazing. And then I say, and, you know, kind of in Calistoga or Howell Mountain, you know, I love uh, Via Dare's wines. And I just feel as though Howell Mountain is so, it's so different from Carneros that, it's kind of a nice extreme. And, or the other way would be to start at Schramsberg and then kind of work your way back down. So those are kind of the two sample paths. And that way you get to see the valley and, and all, you know, the kind of the, all the Appalachians and, and you know, the, the diversity of it, really. But that's what you would suggest for visitors. Right. Oh, what's, you mean for yeah, me? Yeah, what's okay. your personal dream day? Oh, okay. Wow. Well, I think... <laughs> I'd probably start at the spa then, right? if that's the case. There you go. <laughs> um, Do you I, have a favorite? I like, so Carneros Resort is really special, and they've mm -hmm. just renovated it. And I also like Meritage, actually. I don't know if you know, the listeners have been there, but there's a, a spa that's actually in a cave. So it feels really cool. And, and I think with both options, you can kind of use the pool and hang out and Definitely sparkling wine would be involved of, of some sort. I would still do lunch at Auberge. That is yes. still kind of a staple for me. And, you know, honestly, ending the day, Yonville, I also love Yonville for cuisine. I'm being a Francophile. I, you know, Bistro Gentil is one of my kind of, you know, haunts. And and I just end up with good friends, good good dinner, good company, yeah. Want more on today's interview? Purchase Wine Country Women of Napa Valley. It's available on our website at winecountrywomen.com. Now let's talk about your career. Okay. I'll let you take a sip of that, Trichard. <laughs> well, this one's such limited production. When we actually have a bottle here, I wanted to take advantage and enjoy. It's our Roussan. We only make about a thousand cases. Oh, awesome! What was your first paying job ever? Do you remember? Oh gosh, the one I can probably remember uh, the most was I worked, and my my father's an engineer. 
and I worked in his office. He had a you know, general contracting, and I was the assistant, kind of you know slumming it and, and doing all the the grunt work. But I worked in a baby department store as well the following oh, wow. summer, and and that was hard work because we were dealing with pregnant mommies with their registries, and and you know you're on your feet all day, and so you know kind of a wide variety of jobs in high school. And then, uh, and then you know, moved on to, to bigger things. Yes, which brings us right to today. So today you are an attorney, you are a real estate broker, and like I said, you're a yoga guru in my <laughs> mind. <laughs> and occasionally you step in for, you know, to help with the family winery and right. marketing capacities. Right. So that's a lot. Yes. Plus you're a wife and a mother. <laughs> right. <So. laughs> Which is the most challenging job of all, right? How do you do it all? Let's first talk about that. Oh, gosh. You know, it, it's, it ends a- up being a lot of uh, late hours. I'm more of a nocturnal person, so I actually get most of my work done once the kids go down and, and I have that quiet time to to think and, and, you know, but certain things require you to be functional during the day. So I try to parse out the week um, between the different functions. And the majority of my work now, I would say, is in land deals, you know, on vineyards and, and wineries. So I would say the brokerage, Napa Valley Land Brokers, takes up about 60 to 70% of my time. And then uh, as an attorney, I have a handful of clients that I just manage transactions for them and, and uh, occasional, you know, drafting of contracts and those types of things. So you just end up doing it, you know, it's just, you're on autopilot in so many ways. And, and as they say, you know, a lot of times women are uber efficient. And then but sometimes as a mom, you learn to become even more efficient because you just have very limited hours to get things done. Well, you obviously are amazing in, be, in being able to juggle all of that. I don't know about I try. <laughs> That's the most important thing, right? The most effort is the most important thing. So. Yes. So is, you know, how did you, when did you decide that you wanted to go into law? Was law in your, in your I, I was, or? Um, yeah. No, not really. Um, real estate was more my blood, as Fine. I mentioned, my mother. Right. Uh, is a broker and so I was pre-med actually believe it or not uh, at Harvard and of course as organic chemistry is definitely the filter that that removes the people that really want to continue and after organic chemistry I said you know I need to rethink this but I always was interested in the policy side and at Harvard you had uh, the option it was it was hard to do to create your own concentration which is a ma- the equivalent of a major so I wanted something that combined healthcare and government and policy on the international level. And so I just put it together and it was approved and it was really an interesting track because I was able to kind of combine the things I love and, and I realized you don't necessarily have to be a doctor to be, you know, to, to have these interests. And so through that policy track, I kind of, you know, fell into the, the law school track because I said, why not have that foundation uh, for whatever I end up doing? I wanted to ask you, who most influenced your career and who were your mentors? Kind of in the latter half, I'd say the influences in Napa were, you know, in my first three weeks having moved here, I met Richard Mendelssohn, actually ended up sitting next to him at the counter at Grace's table on one of these nights where almost everything was closed and and so I was having dinner uh, by myself and and as was he and we ended up talking he also went to Harvard and he just kind of mentored me and was a steward in 
introducing me to kind of many things Napa. And subsequently, you know, as I worked uh, in-house at this family winery and then getting my broker's license, uh, which, which he had done as well, I then uh, was mentored under Michael Crane, who uh, has Napa Valley Land Brokers, and basically, you know, shepherded me through the whole brokerage process. And finally, of course, I, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, say mention my mother-in-law, Joanne Truchard, who is a force and is so amazing and the I would say one of the original wine country women and and really just wonderful how she also does everything from you know running the office aspect at the winery to supporting my father-in-law Tony who is the patriarch and had the vision to to build what they built today and and a grandmother of 12 and, and has time for so much. So she she truly has been an inspiration in my life. Uh, in the And of course, there's many women and people that came before that, but kind of in, in the Napa world, I would say those three people have had the most impact. We've talked about law and real estate as occupying most of your life, but you do find some relief <laughs> with yoga and, <laughs> right. and working for the family wine business. Uh, let's talk briefly about that. So yeah, I stumbled across yoga in, in the year 2000 after turning in a crazy paper in, in college and it was freezing and, and a friend said, we should go to this Baron Baptiste yoga studio. It's heated yoga and said, okay, let's check it out. And essentially, after the first class, I was pretty much hooked. And I like the, the concept of being able to work the mind, the body, and the spirit at the same time, uh, which I, I, I know that for runners, you know, it's a moving meditation and, and for people that do weights. But, but yoga really allows you to, you know, dig deep into, your, into yourself and, and say how you want to improve not only your physical, but your emotional and your mental. So... Oh, I, I started practicing regularly and then I had the opportunity to become certified to teach uh, here uh, with Rusty Wells, who's another uh, great uh, mentor of mine on the yogic side. And and that was it. So after that, just, you know, have grown the practice and, and it's evolved and yoga was helpful through the pregnancies and just in every aspect of life, just keeping that mentality of no one can disturb your inner peace, no matter no matter what is going on that in your life. So. Because you don't have enough to do yet. Right. <laughs> you have exactly. to take on another. But, I mean, at least this one, like you said, provides some inner peace and keeps you centered. And, of course. You know, Even really sometimes good. when I have to teach, you know, I say, oh, my gosh, I have to teach. I've got to prepare the class and, and prepare the sequences and, and think about, you know, the the meditations. But, but when I'm in it, I say, oh, so I feel better when my students feel better. So that, that it's kind of a symbiotic relationship. What contribution are you able to make? Um, I know you do make a contribution in mm -hmm. the wine business um, because because you help out as much as you can, as much as your schedule allows you. Sure. To. So kind of, it, I kind of fell into it, of course, uh, with my last name being Truchard. It was a natural for people to reach out, especially through social media. Uh, everyone wants to come to Truchard, and and I'm happy to you know see old friends and and make new friends and and give tours. So I end up doing quite a bit of tours throughout the week, especially during high season, probably three to four times a week. And, and then I have the benefit of being able to, you know, host wine dinners and tastings throughout the country 
while um, when we travel to various uh, markets. So that part has been great. And sharing the story of Trouchard, which is really a story of hard work and grit, is is something that brings me great joy. So that it's been nice to do that. And, and uh, it's, it's of course, you end up memorizing the story by heart. But every, every now and then, someone will focus on a different element uh, to elaborate, upon which to elaborate. So that part is always fun. How much wine does Trouchard make? So our production, we always say we're a big vineyard, small winery. Our production is about 20,000 cases, and that's about 30% of our grape production. Okay. We keep 30%, and we sell 70% of our grapes to several uh, wineries, both big and small. You are distributed. Yes. In most states, I think we're not in Utah and Alaska at the moment, but I think right. and internationally, our wines do really well in the UK, in Puerto Rico, which was actually where I was born. So that's a fun market to visit. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. And how many different um, varietals? You know, it's interesting being in Upper Carneros, uh, the the varietals people typically think are Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, but you know my father-in-law Tony got bored with just the typical grapes. So he's he well he he's always had Cabernet because being in Upper Carneros we have the the foothills of Mount Vitor and we benefit from those soils. And the property is very long; it's about a mile long, and the soils just change dramatically, which enable us to to plant several varietals. So one of the ones I mentioned, which I'm sipping on right now, is the Roussan, which is typically a south eastern uh, Rhone varietal and it just makes delicious wine out here he planted it as an experiment and now it's become kind of a coat wine within the Trouchard world we always say we're not sold out we're drunk out because it's kind of our house wine every day <laughs> so uh, but we have our Merlot is delicious Cabernet Franc which is my favorite red uh, we have some Petit Verdot Malbec Syrah just uh, about a dozen varietals on the property. Are there some wines that are only available on site? Yes, absolutely. So our Cabernet Reserve, we make three barrels, and it's a really special uh, block that will that I'll share the story on another uh, occasion because it's a long one, but it's it, it's truly a unique uh, piece of property where that Cabernet is planted. Yeah, the smaller varietals we make about two hundred, three hundred cases. You know, okay. the ones in general distribution are Pinot Noir, Chardonnay, Cab, and Merlot. I would say. So the wine you're drinking today. You have to purchase on site. Yes. yes. Some special markets get it in Florida, for example, because they know I love it. And Arizona also because they were a longtime supporter of Roussan when a lot of people didn't really know about the varietal. And so we, you know, we, my husband actually worked hard to educate people about Roussan and what it was. It, it's not Sauvignon Blanc. It's not Chardonnay. And so, and several kind of the high-end restaurants uh, have carried it because it's just so beautiful and fresh and unique. Oriole in New York has carried it. French Laundry has poured it as well. So, out of all of your careers, which one brings you the most joy? Well, that's easy. As much joy and and as much frustrations, and that's been uh, being a mother, which is the most challenging. And fulfilling job. I think there. I believe there's a book called All Joy and No Fun, and I, I joke about that sometimes when you're just you know really stressed and they're running around and being difficult. But then, you know, they have these moments of of beauty and lucidity where you, and you have this opportunity to shape someone's life and to mold them, and that's the greatest gift and and the most you know rewarding job that I that I have found. And so. Doing that kind of work, you know, and it brings me back. I love education, and, and I feel as though, 
you know, education just shaped the trajectory of my life. So you want that, you realize that you want the best and you're going to, you know, fight to the death in mama bear mode for your kids. And so that's probably the, the one that I treasure the most. It's probably a standard answer for most moms, but, you know, I think it's true. Yeah. <laughs> I have to ask, um, you know, you are one of those in my mind, rare people that found love in the Napa Valley. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I always tell my single friends here, go to the city because it's slim pickings here. I don't even know how, honestly, it was... It was totally serendipitous. He wasn't supposed to give the tour. There's there's so many little factors that, that, that went into play that when I met him that, you know, that's life, right? It's like sliding doors. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Napa has a lot of great people, but the demographic, it's interesting. Even though there are a lot of young families and, and, and great people, and that, but there's also an, an older contingent that, you know, uh, it's their second you know, kind of life. They made their wealth elsewhere and, and they, they live here now. So I, I agree. I, I think finding love anywhere. I mean, people say in Manhattan, right. With, with, you know, millions of people, right. it's hard to find. So I think what's meant for you is meant for you. And, and, but you do have to put an effort into it. You know, as a woman, you, you do have to focus on your life. I mean, if we're being candid, you know, you, you, you know, what's the expression you, you kiss many frogs before you find, find the, prince. the prince. Right. Right. And I did kiss a lot of Miami frogs <laughs> <laughs> before before I found a prince. So I, I would say that, you so, know, it's So depends. the advice that you would give somebody, a woman, that thinks she's coming to the Napa Valley to find love? <laughs> uh, you can find a love of wine, a love of nature, uh, a love of a lot of things. But I, I don't, I'm not sure about that one. <laughs> They could get lucky. You it never know. No, you never know. It happened for you, so it can happen for uh, others. That's right. Absolutely. On that note, let's let's wrap things up with what I like to call five quick questions. Okay. Okay. So the idea is not to think too hard and sure. long about these. So it's here like we go. Like family feud. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. I never thought about that. Okay. Here we go. What designer brand do you wear the most? Ooh. Do I want to wear or do I? <laughs> Well, I'll let you decide. I love Alice and Olivia, but if I could wear Gucci every day, I would do. <laughs> okay. What's the weirdest thing in your purse right now? Oh, uh, weirdest thing. Probably an old piece of gum. <laughs> what kind of car do you drive? We are sharing our old Volvo because we're saving our money for a trip. And we're, we, we share an 05, whatever, Volvo SC. I don't even know the model. <laughs> okay. What's your all-time favorite movie? easy it's a wonderful life there you go and name one and there will be many Uh oh but name one favorite restaurant in wine country oh in wine country ay dios mio ay what's my regular i mean i think i'd have to say bistro gentil i will there you go (laughs) you mentioned that earlier i know i know okay well suzanne thank you so much thank you michelle it's amazing so much fun joining us and inviting us into the cave of course i hope to see everyone at true shard very soon and thanks for sharing uh the beauty of wine country and the importance uh, that women have made in the industry we really appreciate it thank you for tuning in to listen and learn about the women featured in our lifestyle books and involved in our business share these episodes on your social media platforms so more people can learn about wine country women 
Visit our website at winecountrywomen.com to join our list and be the first to learn about exclusive offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new episode of Wine Country Women.